you for listening to this message from the North Gate. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about IHOP KC. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I had a pretty significant encounter a week, two weeks ago, something like that, where Apostle Aaron, and I won't go into every detail of the dream because it's not relevant to the conversation tonight, but Apostle Aaron appeared up above me, of course, right? Open heaven. And he's like, come up here. And I'm like, okay, are you sure? And he's smiling and he invites me up. And then I have this encounter with him all the time and I won't go into details, but there's always this object Tim and I work on together. (coughs) Which I believe involved the shifting of times. And he shoves me in this thing. Instead of working on it, he shoves me through this thing. And I go into a deeper encounter, and I'll just say it like this. Five men of God, two are still alive in the earth, begin to speak to me one at a time. And they were praying to me, not necessarily speaking to me. And two of those men, one of them I know very little about, to be honest with you. I just know of him. Never heard him preach. He passed away years ago, and uh, his name is Paul Kane. Um, never really, don't know really much about him. The other one I know quite a bit about is Bob Jones. How many of you know who I'm talking about? Anyone familiar with Paul Kane at all? <coughs> I didn't think so. He's, he's just not really known kind of in our move. And so, you know how the Lord does sometimes. I'm laying on the couch. I'm probably supposed to be praying, but I'm flicking through YouTube on the fire stick. And I see this video pop up with Mike Bickle on it. And it said, an introduction to Bob Jones and Paul Kane. That would pique my interest anyways. Right? But the fact that I just had this encounter with both those men in, my, in this encounter, I'm like, okay. And then when I passed it up, it was kind of like, go back. I just kind of like, it was my curiosity was speaking. So I begin to watch, and Mike Bickle started talking about the formation of International House of Prayer. And... Um, they're starting to do some kind of series, and the first couple are about the history of it. I, don't, I can't tell. I just watched two videos of it. And <clears throat> I was blown away by the foundation of what we know as IHOP today. And so what I don't want you to do, because this is relevant to us, okay? I don't want you to check out thinking I'm talking about something in Kansas City. What I want you to do is hear our story unfold in the process as you hear how their story unfolded. Does that make sense? And I'm going to talk about some of the significant things that God did there. And, and, and I might not take that long to get through it all, honestly. Um, but babe, can you get my glasses out of that bag? Because I'm just that age right now. Even though I write real big, like I had the big crane in kindergarten, my eyes still need a little help, Ed. I don't know what it is. Pray for him because I really don't want to have to wear glasses full time. My head's too big, Ed. It's not, you know. Voila, it's like a miracle. It just happened. Miracles do happen. All right, so I'm going to give you just a quick picture of their process. Man, I look up, it looks weird, and I look down, I can see. So I don't know how to, is that why people do this all the time? Oh, Jesus, help me. I don't want to be that guy. Just like my dad. I talked about him earlier. That's part of my dad I don't want to be at right there. Looking down the bifocals. Amen. 
So I'm going to try to do this by memory so I don't have to do that too much. All right. So in 1982, Mike Bickle's this young man. I think he's in his 20, 22, 23. And, um, I think he was his evangelical pastor of some church. Anyways, for some reason, he goes to Cairo, Cairo, Egypt, and the internal audible voice, the word of the Lord comes to Mike Bickle, okay? And Mike Bickle says, the Lord spoke to him, and, and the Lord says, Mike, I'm going to change the understanding and expression of Christianity in one generation. And he begins to give him this new word that just wrecks Mike's life. Okay, and this is in 1982 in Cairo, Egypt. So Mike comes home, that was early in the year, and in November of 1982, he starts a church, he leaves where he's at, and he starts a church called the Kansas City Fellowship. Well, within the next year, there's this prophetic guy there named Augustine, and within the next year, uh, this crazy guy named Bob Jones, who was a country boy, he, used to, he was a tree trimmer, he used to spray like apple trees or peach trees or something and cut them. Shows up in overalls to Mike's, Mike's office. Some of you know this history. He prophesied stuff. It's going to snow on the first day of spring. And he shows up in a winter jacket and he's guys like, he's crazy. Mike has a word about a false prophet. He thinks it's Bob Jones and soon discovers that it wasn't even someone else. He, he's all this different stuff going on. And Bob just be pretty... You, there's just so much history, and I'm not here to tell you their history. I'm just telling the process. Bob kind of just shows up and starts prophesying stuff, and it takes a couple of years for Mike to get actually okay with Bob. Like, he never forced him out, but he was just kind of like, this guy's crazy. I don't know if I believe any of this. But the Lord would always confirm these crazy prophetic words he had. There are these prophetic words that some of you have heard that he talked about World War III and troops on American soil. And it would said, the Lord said, don't be afraid. There'd be a billion youth harvest in the days ahead. And he said, Mike, you're to have a forerunner company to go ahead and start night and day prayer to begin to prepare the body of church of Christ for this time. And before this billion youth harvest. And he's like, what? I mean, Bob Jones had some serious words to give you an example they probably didn't even have cell phones back in the 80s. In 82, probably not, right? Because I know like in the 90s, they had the diaper bag phones. You know what I'm saying? How many of you had one? My Uncle Dave had one. Walk around Kmart. Only last 10 minutes, but you had like an old battery, car battery you had to take with you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so Bob Jones in those days said, Mike, you're going to have such significant influence in Asia that people will be in rice patties watching you do 24-7 prayer on these mini TVs, these mini TV screens they'll have, and they'll be watching you do 24-7 prayer in Kansas City. And he's like, you're out of your mind. Mini TVs? Well, we know those to be smartphones now. Right? And listen, when Bob Jones died, he still had a rotary phone, they say. They used to make fun of one of those ones with the antique candle, and they'd pick up. He didn't have color ID. He didn't have nothing. He didn't have the touchstone. He had the... That's why he probably waited on everyone to dial. He's like, it's going to take too long for me to call him. So everyone had to call Bob probably, right? Amen. And so these prophetic words came, even prophetic words of people having, where Mike Bickle woke up with this knee. He had a knee injury. He woke up, and uh, this guy, Augustine, who was a prophet there, <coughs> had a dream of Mike being this like little white pony and this big black Pegasus looking thing came 
and a pastor from down the road came and was attacking Mike in the knee. And he had no idea. At the same exact time, Mike woke up with a knee injury in the middle of the night, unexplainable. And so they all kind of lived together and they all come out of the same house. And he's like, man, I just had this crazy encounter. And he, he talks about this encounter and he's going on and on. And they saw a pastor from down the road and he said, Mike, when you move eastward, this man's going to attack you. And this is a man that, that literally Mike Bickle, spiritual father and mentored and sewed into, but he was a pastor in another town. Five years later, they move a campus eastward. All this thing begins to happen. Mike, Mike's knee pain came back for like a day and then went away just to signify this is that. Don't worry about this guy wrote a 200-some page indictment against IHOP and Mike Bickle. Or it wasn't IHOP at the time, but it's against Mike Bickle. <clears throat> Crazy stuff prophesied, right? So here's the thing. How many of you have ever heard of the Kansas City Prophets? Raise your hand. Talk about move and revival. There was no group ever called the Kansas City Prophets. There was Mike Bickle and a guy named Bob Jones that hung around and a guy named Augustine that later on a guy named Paul Kane and Bob and Paul didn't like each other and they had this whole like kind of story about it. And then a guy named John Paul Jackson came. How many of you ever heard of him? And then a guy named Jim Gall. How many know who Jim Gall is? He's still around, still ministering. So all the other ones kind of went home to be with the Lord, but Jim Gall's still around and they would come down there and prophesy and there's these crazy confirmations. And in the 90s, a British guy wrote a book about his experience visiting the Kansas City Fellowship. In that book, he, he referred to them as the Kansas City Prophets. They never called themselves that. The, all they had was conferences and they go and they prophesied each other. They meet over weekends and it, it was just like a church. And this guy starts to think, so the critics are the one that actually named it. So critics, now he had a positive review, but critics read that and they started calling them the Kansas City Prophets and talk about how they're heretics and all that. Do you know that church? Because it wasn't a movement. That, that's what they called it later. But in the time, they were just having church conferences. Do you realize that, church, that group of five prophets with the pastor who initially didn't believe in evil actually helped reinfuse the prophetic in every charismatic and Pentecostal circle in the United States? Prophecy was near unheard of. Not completely out, but near unheard of. So six men with the core group of people at a church in Kansas City, because of what happened there, the prophetic started being accepted widely across America. So you think that'd be good enough. This movement became, help reinstate the prophetic in the church. That'd be it, right? Nope. As the years go on, this process begins to happen. In the very beginning, the Lord gave Mike Bickle four core values. And I want to talk to him again. This is not our core values. This is the assignment on Mike Bickle's life, okay? Hear our story in this, though. He said, Mike, this move is going to be characterized by four main values, 24-7 prayer and intercession. Holiness. Now, this is like in 82, 83. Generosity. You're going to call people to live the simple life so they can give more. Four, you have to embrace the prophetic. And the Lord warned Mike Bickle, you got to hear me out. 
Are you hearing? You listening? Other believers in the body of Christ are going to come try to steal these four key values from you. They're going to talk you out of it. They're going to, you can't listen to any of them because you're going to try to steal these. Whenever you get off track, I'm going to send a prophet like Bob Jones, Mike, to make sure you veer back on course because these four key values are your assignment in the earth. And I want to raise up a billion youth harvest, but in order to get there, I have to raise up night and day prayer for the entire body of Christ around the world. And I'm using you to do that. So I don't need you to do anything else. Just these four things you have to embrace. And if you ever feel yourself weighing off, I'm going to send a prophet to you to make sure you get back on course. Again, these four key values are not Northgate. They're not the Carolina Revival family. They're good. This is Mike Bickle's assignment. Hear it. Because we inherited three. What are they? Devotion, honor, order. And intercession's pretty high up there. Mike Bickle said they got 20-some, but these are the four main ones the Lord put there. And the Lord began to speak to me as I'm studying this out because I'm hearing this and I'm seeing the North Gates purpose unrolling this, unveiled. And the way Mike Bickle explained this, I was like, my God, this is Revelations 2. And I started to see this from a different perspective. So let's read, we pop that up, Kev. This is one of John's letters. You know how there's positive things, but then there's correction in each one of them? This is that part right here. But I have, it's to the church in Ephesus. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. So somebody say first love. Okay, that's the first thing, but that's not the only thing. Think about how far you've fallen. Repent and do the what? Works of love you did at first. And I'll, or I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. That's pretty harsh. That's New Covenant, by the way. I understand we're loved, but there's some serious correction in the New Testament. Amen? So, let's go back there. The New King James says, first works. It says, first love. Then it says, first works. Okay? I believe Mike Bickle's core values, nine-day prayer, holiness, generosity, and stewarding the prophetic is first works. First love is what? Your passion about the person of Jesus. Your first works is what? Remember, when you veer off, I'm going to remind you what I told you in the beginning. These are not our core values. These are Mike Bickle's. Whenever you get off, Mike, I'm going to send a prophet to remind you. What is God doing through the Apostle John right here? Reminding them of their first works, which if this would have been Kansas, a letter to Kansas City, it would have been, go back to your first works, Mike. Day and night prayer, holiness, simple life, generosity, and stewarding the prophetic. Because how many of you know, I've, I've had been part of prophetic stuff my whole life. I've been, Joe and I have been persecuted by relatives since day one. You want to hear, you know, if you have any kind of like self, like fear of man at all, try calling yourself a prophet or having other people call you a prophet in front of other people. Go to Mexican. Hey, prophet Mike. I'm like, oh, 
No one struck up a conversation about that yet. Praise God, because I didn't have to deal with it. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying, like, it, it puts pressure on you. If you're not seated and grounded, you don't have thick skin. You know, I laugh when I hear people, I actually literally laugh out loud when people call us a quote on Google because that's not persecution. I don't even know who you are, and I can care less about you. I mean, I wish you well, but I really don't give a crap. I don't really have any idea who you are. I never even know. Did you even attend a church before? Because I've probably never seen you. Unless you're putting a fake picture up there because you don't have the brass to say it. But it, that's not real persecution. These dudes got boiled in oil and got hung upside down from crosses and they got stoned. And Paul couldn't just die. God had to raise him up multiple times after getting stoned. Amen. So he had experienced them more than once. Oh, back up, shipwrecked. Oh, 39 lashes. Oh, there you go. Get that two more times. Oh, he's probably like, Lord, just let me go. I'm tired of this. You thought you thought you got, we had a bad day because people are mouthing on Facebook. Give me, show me a church in streets, bro. No, that one's a cult. Ooh, that really hurts my feelings. I'd much rather take that than get boiled in oil. Amen. He said others would try to steal them from you. So be careful when people try to steal devotion from you and they try to talk you out of, you don't have to spend that much time to pray and you don't have to live in honor. Why do you always listen to what they have to say? They're trying to steal your honor. You know what that means? They're actually going to steal your inheritance if you let them. You don't have to do everything like that. Also, I don't have to be a man of order. You don't. But the, the ladder of ascension I inherited says devotion, honor, and order. So you have no conversation in this. I've had to tell family members this. Well, you don't have to do that. I'm like, you have no part of this conversation because you're not living in the same world I am. I don't even know who invited you in this conversation. I've had to say that to people. I look right at them, I'm like, hey, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I don't even know. You're not a part of this conversation. Your voice is irrelevant to this. Have I not? And they're like, well, I'm just saying. I'm like, well, you don't need to say because your saying doesn't mean anything to me. And their eyes get real big. And then they learn, like, I just better shut up because it's not going to work out for me. You know what I'm saying? Someone comes to steal your devotion, honor, and order, even if it's me. Okay? How's, how do I say this? If I so much wink at Mel and Joe and smile and say, I love you guys, they try to send me money. And sometimes, like, I'd even give you a word, Mel. She's like, you know better. Dang it. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I have good intentions, but that's like stealing honor. I can't do that. Does that make sense? All right. So he says, repent, or I'm going to remove your lampstand. That's scary, right? But check this out. When I looked up the word, you know, Apostle teaches this all the time, but I saw something a little different today. I thought it was cool. That word repent, you know how we talk about it's to change one's mind? It also can mean to change one's purpose. To think differently after being with. To change the inner man. Think about this. To repent means to change your mind or purpose after being with. Do you see why first love is the most important thing? And then it comes first works. You can't escape works, guys. You could, you could, you could rewrite the Bible all you want to. You can't earn your salvation, and you can't strive for acceptance. But at the end of the day, Pastor Jimmy's called to preach 
Mama Tina is called to help lead and then do worship, and they can't just stop doing that. Why? Because they're called to it. They're out of obedience. They can't just stop. Well, well, I'm I'm in rest, so I don't have to come preach. Okay, not gonna happen. Apostle can't just lay down the apostolic mantle and God be, it's okay, you're a rest apostle. You don't have to preach the next 20 years. Do you see what I'm saying? So we have to really rightly divide what we're hearing in the word. You can't just say, well, I don't have to pray ever again because I'm, you know, I don't need a prayer clause anymore because I'm in rest. That's foolishness. To have a store card that you're not add up because you didn't pray three to five hours a day, it's a totally different story but you still need a prayer closet. Does that make sense? Jesus Christ is perfect theology. He had a really strong devotional life. Amen. All right. That's not what I'm preaching on, but it means to change your purpose, your thinking or purpose. What does that mean? How many of you are doing pretty well in life? Raise your hand. How many of you have been caught up since we've been in revival here and you're like, Man, I'm just doing my thing. I'm going to work. I'm doing what I do. I'm doing my ties. I'm going through here. And uh, like, oh, yeah, I got church this weekend. And you come to church, and you go back Monday, and you do your routine. Nobody? Nobody. Okay. You get real comfortable. When I heard Apostle say he got too comfortable, that made me feel good. Not about being comfortable. Like, okay, I'm not the only one. Thank God. Right? You get too comfortable, and the Lord says, come and repent. Get out of complacency. You're like, complacency, I come, I pay my tithes, I have a devotional life. What do you mean? What do you mean? No, no, no. What is your purpose for living? You see, Mike, your purpose for living, you're just living to live and you're doing church while, while you're just living to live. But there was a moment where work didn't matter, this didn't matter, this didn't matter. And the only thing, and you used to cry out to me and say, your only like reason for breathing and being is Jesus. And somewhere in domestication and complacency, it just becomes about easy living and you get comfortable and your purpose shifts. You know what your purpose is? What you were born to do. Well, I'm doing good. I pray, pray with my wife. We pray over our kids. We give, we do this. We help out. We pick up chairs when no one else, we, you know, we, we do this. So we do pretty good. It's not what he's talking about. There's a time when every one of us in this room you know, that whole scripture, in him I live and move and have my being. Amen. Change not just your mind, but change your purpose. Change your reason that you're alive. Because you could add church and you could add ministry to your life or you could live and breathe Jesus every moment of the day. When you live and breathe Jesus every moment of the day, you'll be at work and people will talk about how they tried to kill themselves right in front of you. And you stop and go, say what? Uh-uh. The, I don't want to have to deal with this. You know, the cop that doesn't want to pull the dude over because the shift's getting ready to an end. That's, that's, that's complacency. But when you see someone with the cast on a Walmart, the record stops. I know someone that could do that. I know someone that could deal with that. Come on, you know what I'm saying? The Kansas City prophet move had these crazy prophetic words and they were confirmed by signs and wonders 
One prophetic word, Mike Bickle got, how many of you know the prophetic should always confirm what you hear in private? Mike Bickle got a word about the body of Christ out of Daniel 9. The Lord spoke to Mike and he says, the body of Christ is in captivity just like they were in Daniel 9. And, I need, and I'm raising you up like a Daniel to pray and fast so the body could come out of captivity. And he has this whole thing, right? And all of a sudden, the angel Gabriel appears to Bob Jones. So Mike's got experience with Bob at this point, And he goes, okay, takes a couple guys from the church. He calls Bob. He's like, hey, guys, I got a couple guys. We're going to come over. Bob's like, yeah, I was wondering when you're coming over. So Mike hops in the car with these two guys, explained to him what the Lord just that morning told him, didn't tell Bob a word, goes to Bob, shows up to Bob, and he said, hey, the Gabriel, he's like, he showed up to me last night. And he, Mike's like, who? He's like, you know who? <laughs> and Mike's like, what do you mean? He's like, my buddy Gabriel. And he told me he gave you a word about Daniel 9. And he goes, boom, 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 boom. And then he said, to confirm, so you're okay with me and, and believe that this is really a word of the Lord, because Mike was always praying for confirmations. He said, on the news at this particular date, you're going to hear that scientists discovered a comet they've never before seen and heard of. Pretty big confirmation. So literally on the exact day that Bob Jones said, they had news articles everywhere. This comet was discovered by NASA for the first time. And they should have seen it before, but for some reason they never picked it up, but it came in orbit and they confirmed it. Here's, here's Mike Bickle's response. You got to hear the Northgate story in this. You got to hear your story in this. Some of you weren't around. Zach, you probably weren't around for this. You may have been, I don't know. Mike Bickle's response to the comet was this. He said this. He said, I don't manage, we don't manage our ministry based off prophetic words. We deal with that. We manage that out of the relationship we have with Jesus every single day. It's like prophetic words come and give direction and they come to inspire and encourage and empower us to endure and, and to get through the hard times to see the fulfillment of everything that God wants to do with this. So when a prophetic word like this, he said, is confirmed by a sign in the heaven, which is what Bob Jones said, the sign of heaven will confirm it and it'll be this. He's like, God is saying, pay attention. You have to pay attention to how big of a deal that you are, Kansas City Fellowship, because what I'm doing is literally a billion youth harvest and you're a forerunner ministry to host night and day prayer to prepare the body of Christ for this moment of history your kids are going to see and their kids are going to see. But you have to understand it's not just another prophetic word. I can, it's such a big deal. I use a comet in the sky to confirm how significant you are and the assignment is on your life. Northgate, do you have any idea who has a confirmation with the size of the heaven of a comet? Have we forgotten? 2014 or 15, I get a call from a pastor of Bethel Akron by the name of Jeff Metzger. Mike, there's this crazy comet thing going on right now. And the Lord told me to call you as soon as possible. And I'm like, what? 
He's like, we got to meet. He didn't tell him about the commie yet. He's like, we got to meet. So Jen and I go to Akron. And then we go up there and they sit us down and they're in. <coughs> well, on the phone call before we get there, he's like, who's the pastor that you left Bethel to go run with? I'm like, Jimmy Lovejoy. And him and his wife start cracking up, laughing, going, whoa. They're Toronto guys. They're in Toronto. Whoa. Ha, ha, ha. Are you kidding me? And I'm like, what? They're like, we're not telling you. Am I, am I, not, am I telling the truth? So we get up there and have dinner with these two. And all the small talk comes to an end. They're like, why well, have we sat you here? Pots open a laptop. He's like, show him money. Explains this whole process of these things that they're encountering. They're encountering this blue sphere. And the Lord is speaking to them all this different stuff. And they turn around. His brother-in-law just shows up to the church. They're having meetings at the Hilton and Akron downtown. And it was just funny because... The Hilton and Akron just put up, we were doing the Peel to Heaven thing at the time, and they put up an American flag and an evergreen on the roof of the freaking Hilton where they were meeting. I preached on it and had a slideshow of the pictures to show you all. I ain't lying to making this up. There was an evergreen tree. My God, we're talking about it. You know what happened at 530 in prayer? We are praying for the nation and revival, and Stephanie goes, bind us together in love. And as she's praying for us to be bound together in love, a bright green tractor trailer comes around with the word evergreen and comes around the corner. And I'm like, evergreen's right around the corner. Everlast, evergreen. And I believe our pastor's everlast, what he's been teaching on John 3, 16, everlasting life. And when Mark and Bobby come up in a couple of weeks, guess what? Evergreen's right around the corner. So the messengers sit me down to dinner and they say, you got to see this. All the stuff they're having dreams about, intercessors are praying about, about end time, this big revival and it's going to be full of love and it's going to be full of joy or the two markings of it and they have no clue our pastor's name. At this point, they're explaining the story. So, so the brother-in-law comes over to the church before church starts and I don't even know if he was in the church. He just showed up and he goes, he's looking up the sky and they're like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, there's a comet up there. He's like, a comet? They're like, yeah, it, it's, it's coming around. It's called the Lovejoy Comet. And I, I'm like, what? He's like, yes. And he pops up his laptop and he shows, and I think we were getting something about a blue sphere at the time as well, if I remember correctly. He pops up the laptop, Google's Lovejoy Comet in this blue Sphere Comet pops up on a screen. I'm like, you didn't make that up? That's real? I'm like, you got to be freaking kidding me. He's like, all the Lord would tell me. I didn't know your pastor's name. He's like, it's, call Mike Thompson. Call Mike Thompson. Call Mike Thompson. We never talk like that. Very rarely. Once in a blue moon, we would text. He called me, set this up. We began to pray. It was so heaven and the cloud of witness was so tangible I actually questioned whether it was good or not. It was so thick in the house when the four of us, just me, Jen, him, and his wife, Beth, prayed. Literally, Mike, stand up. Mike is me, right? He's sitting there raising his hands, worship, right? So he comes up. You can even pop your neck like I do if you want to, really. So he comes up, and I feel this. It, I moved, and I was like, 
I turned around. There's no one behind me. I'm praying. Okay, I'm praying. I'm worshiping. All of a sudden, I feel literally moves me like that. And I'm like, what the heck? And I feel something around my neck. And I feel, then I feel this. And I feel this. And I feel this. And dude, I'm freaked out. Physically. I'm opening my eyes. I'm like, whoa, I'm freaking out. I don't know if they're angels or what, but they're like messing with me because something's pushing me around on purpose. And they, them two start going, oh, they're here all the time. They just like to mess with you like that. And I was, do you remember, am I lying? I'm telling the truth, aren't I? Literally bumping into me. They're like, yeah, those are our friends. They like to hang out. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I was like, Lord, you sure this isn't a demon? I'm just being honest. Thanks, Mike. If Mike Bickle has his future confirmed with a comet and he's been doing 24-7 prayer with thousands of people handling $30 million a year or whatever it is, 23 years they've been doing it, having impact around the world. Many people named their ministry after and started doing it, follow suit to help prepare it. And their assignment was confirmed by a comet. How much more is our assignment confirmed by a comet that has our pastor's name on it? I believe if Mike Bickle knew this story and he was here today, he would say, Northgate, Pay attention to how significant your pastors are when you begin to complain that you have to come in for a men's or women's meeting, that you have to go to Roller Hut and being hot, human. You got to go wherever it is, whatever it is that you complain about, that that you should show up to 530 in prayer. and you You need to pay attention to who you're actually listening to and looking at. I'm not into comparison. I love the Arcs. I love Bill Johnson. I don't know any of them to have a comment named after them. Oh, it got real quiet in here. Listen, all of us have been in that chair of correction. All of us have been in that process. And none of us ever probably liked it. But we all knew that whatever's being dealt with was right. That it should have been dealt with, even though we didn't want to face it. We didn't want to have the reality. We didn't want to deal with the pain and have to deal with the thoughts that I can't overcome it. And he's telling us, yes, you can. Yes, you can. We're going to get through this. Do this, 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 this. And we didn't want to listen, right? We all been through that. But did you actually realize who you're actually talking to and who's talking to you? This is a sobering message, and some of you are not going to like it. And I'm okay with that. You know, you want to know why? Because I spent a lot of times being insecure because people wouldn't respond when I got on the microphone, and I'm done with those days. Why? Because I have a Malia in my life. I thought Mama and Papa loved you. I have Mama. And it's hard sometimes to wrap my mind around how well our pastors honor me in public and in private. Today, I talked to him on the phone. I'm like, you know, 
even though we know how significant our call is, we still have no idea how big it is. I know it's awkward for you guys, but I'm going to talk about the Lovejoy Comet. And Mama Tina's like, I'm just, I'm okay with it now. I'm not going to run from it anymore. And she's like, you have to be as a prophet too. I'm like, yep. As awkward as it is, it's, yep. Who doesn't like it? I don't care. The two most significant, we're all significant. The two most significant people in this house are the Lovejoys, hands down. I don't have a Thompson Comet. They have a Lovejoy Comet. And Apostle D established me here in May of 2018. Laid hands on me and said, you're established. So if he's cool with it and those two are cool with it, I love y'all, but I don't really care what you have to say about me. That's when when you talk behind my back about me, I actually laugh about it because I think it's hilarious because it doesn't really shake me. I get disappointed for you because you're not walking in the honor you can, but I don't. it doesn't really shake me too much, does it? I actually laugh about it. Now, if pastor would do it, that would mess with me. If, if apostle would do it, but if I'm cool with those two families, listen, I love all of you. I'll hang out. I'll go to Mexico with all of you. Trust me. All I got to say is queso and I'm there. You know what I'm saying? And I don't, just listen, I don't say that in arrogance. I'm, I'm just saying all of us should have this confidence that we begin to rise up. And I don't say it because I don't like you guys. I'm just saying I get shook if they get shook and they're like, dude, you're off. I got to listen to that. Does that make sense? To other people, I don't like what he says this. I don't agree. I can care less what your opinion is. It doesn't matter. Again, not arrogantly. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. It doesn't mean I don't value you. It just means there's an order to things, and that's the priority. Okay? Let me tell you, is this making sense tonight? I know these little rabbit trails, but guys, we're a really big deal. Our apostle is a really big deal. The Minichis are a really big deal. The Mitchells are a really big deal. The Heavers, the Clendenins are a really big deal. The Bollingers, everybody, you're a really big deal. And I'm going to prove it to you here in a little bit in Scripture. Kansas City Fellowship was started in 1982. It lasted eight years. People wrote indictments about them in the paper, about how they were false and all this stuff. False prophets, heresy in the church. Why? Because every new move of God gets persecuted by the previous move. So Mike Bickle was friends with John Wimber and had a lot of respect for him. John Wimber was the founder of the Vineyard Movement, who was, I believe, part of the Jesus People Movement, kind of started with that group, I think. So Mike Bickle takes himself and submits himself, reaches out to John Wimber in 1988 and says, will you come cover this? We want to join you. So at that point in 1990, the Kansas City Fellowship became Metro Vineyard. So Mike's like, okay, here. John Wimber's like, all right, I'll father. Well, when John Wimber became the father, the prophets scattered all across the earth. Bob Jones and Paul Kane, for a time, went with Rick Joyner and Morningstar. Paul Kane ended up in California for many years, but he spent a lot of time with Bob Jones and Rick Joyner. 
Rick Joyner has tons of history of Bob Jones and Marines. I mean, it didn't stop. The same thing happened at Kansas City was there. Um, John Paul Jackson goes to Vermont and starts Streams Ministry and has a huge global impact. James Gall moves to Tennessee and still wrote tons of books overseas. It's in relationship with people like uh, Charlie Champ, all those guys, all the glory movement. He was kind of a key figure, a part of, and helping those guys and help mentor them. Um, and not just those guys, but other people. Um, who else am I missing? Those are the – John Paul Jackson was went to Vermont. Bob Jones, Paul Kane went to California. Uh, Jim Gall went there. Mike Bickle stayed under John Wimber. Now, the question is that I had was and, – and uh, it's like, okay, did John Wimber come and kill it? And that why they scattered? Or is God like, this time's done. I need you guys to move out, and you're not going to move it until I shift some things. Okay? Some, I don't know. Some people would say this or that. I don't have an opinion because God didn't tell me that. All I know is the prophets left and had fruit all over the place, and the vineyard came from 1990. And then in 1999, there's a point to all this. Because from 2013 to 2016, we're in the gym. We had a different name called Overtaken. And we went through a name change, and we moved. We came under government. See what I'm saying? There's, there's, a, there's a very close similarity. I'm not telling you history just for information. In 1999, Mike Bickle gets the word to go full go 24-7 prayer, and he leaves Metro Vineyard, which was Kansas City Fellowship originally, his church that he started in 1982. So then 17 years later, he leaves, they buy a trailer. You know what it looks like? It looks like those Streetsboro High School trailers they used to have at the old building when they ran out of room with the weird staircase that went up like you probably use for a restroom at like Nautica Stage or something. That's how IHOP got started, was in a trailer. Whatever happened, I don't know if it's there or wherever, they could only hold 200 people. Real small, five people would show up for prayer for night watches. It wasn't like die hop that you know, but but God reminded Mike Bickle, these are the four values. Whenever you get off of them, I'm gonna send the prophet to remind you. The first value is night and day prayer. <coughs> the year 2000, Lou Angle and the call in DC broke out. The call in the fasting Nazarite thing. Mike Bickle, they had another shift in 2010. They got the Truman property, all these prophetic words. So what I'm, what I'm saying all this was the Kansas City Fellowship, which was known as the Kansas City Prophets, wasn't even Mike Bickle's original intent. The movement, the prophets came to prophesy IHOP which wouldn't happen for another 17 years. They hung around eight years at this place, became known as the Kansas City Prophets, and literally sparked the prophetic in every Pentecostal charismatic movement. They embraced the prophetic because of the Kansas City Prophets. And it wasn't even his original purpose. Think about that. That's crazy fruit right there. You mean we haven't even stepped, we did this eight years and we didn't even step into our original intent? 
That's what I'm telling you. Then John Wimber takes over. Mike's still there as a pastor. Nine years. I don't know much about that era. Okay, I'm just in this stuff and I'm glued to it, but the whole time I'm seeing our story in this. You track with me? 1999, they make the shift into a trailer, into a building. Then they go into this other building. Then they get the Truman property with IHOP that becomes the school. You know, their church is actually called Forerunner Church. It's down the road from the university, which is IHOP KC. John and Mary Ellen have been there and talked about it. What's funny, it's not about what you feel when you show up. It's not about what you think about it. It's not about anything. It's about four key values the Lord said you're never going to get off of. First love, first works. This changed the concept of first works to me. Because that verse always bothered me. I can understand first love. I never understood first works. Not about works, brother. I get it. But it says first works. So I, I haven't been able to reconcile that with the don't strive message. I have now because it's talking about the assignment of that church. Does that make sense? Let me do this. Pray in tongues while I blow my nose. So, I didn't, I didn't want to happen what happened to my sister last night at Putt-Putt Golf. My sister wanted to go Putt-Putt. Well, we're all old and large. So, I asked them this question. Who's going to get the balls out of the hole after we Putt-Putt? So, we got Jen and Sam. And so, what turned into a friendly game of Putt-Putt took us three hours to get through Birdie Shack. And moments I'll never forget because my sister was bent completely over standing up only by the golf club with tears and snot running down her face because she hit the ball three times and it went to the lawn or something. And then I tried to put the ball down and then it rolled and it kept rolling. It was just, it was just dumb stuff. And we had, we had a time of our life. So the whole time I'm blowing my nose, I'm like, I'm going to look like Shardy. I'm going to look like Shard Dog here. I need to take a break and pause the teaching so I could do that real quick. I spent the most time of this on that. Can you feel the weight on that, though? Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Is they had prophets, Old Testament-like prophets at that church to establish their foundation to a church that isn't even called that name anymore. And it doesn't matter because the man Mike Bickle is still there and there's still a core group of people. And for 23 years, they've been preparing the body of Christ and this billion youth harvest through 24-7 prayer. Why? Because of first love and first works. That's not our assignment. And I don't even know if we have a four key values yet. I know prayers got to be in the top 10. I don't know what that looks like. It's not my job. I'm not the pop of the house. I'm not the apostle. But I do know we've inherited as foundation again, devotion, honor, and order. So if you're wondering what first works may look like for us, it may look like those three things. It's not striving. It's how's your attitude? Is your is your Attitude honorable toward your spouse? Are you devoted to God? Mike taught us a long time ago, devotion's not something you do, it's something you are. You're devoted to the one. That should deliver you from the time issue and your prayer time. Okay, now, 
I'm making a shift here because all that was to show you how significant you are. Now I'm going to talk to you about what Apostle's been saying, and I'm going to make the connection at the end again, okay? So I'm going to change gears a little bit, but keep, stay with me. Apostle said at camp the last night, he said what? He said, <clears throat> it's time if the adults don't want it, go, pastor's in the room, my son's in the room, Give it to the youth. If the adults don't want to give it to the youth, it's time to get back to the lampstand. Okay? The lampstand has been prophetic language for a million things. Some people say it's revelation. Some people say it's church because in Revelation 1, there are seven lampstands. In that particular case, the, the lampstands represented seven churches, and there are seven stars which represented the leaders of that church, right? <coughs> and so... We know the lampstands aren't people, but they are they are churches and ministries, regions, and all this different stuff, right? But lampstands can represent something. And one thing that's interesting, honestly, we have these menorahs, and you think that's what they're... No, no, no. These lampstands, those menorahs, like the real ones, like in the t tabernacle, they're the size of a man. They had seven branches, they had three branches, and it had seven flames all represent the seven spirits of God. So how many ever wonder what the lampstand is? Now, a lot of times when we say lampstand, we're talking that Leviticus, let the fire never go out in the altar. Okay. But this is, this is what hit me in regards to the Mike Bickle message. And I got this a few weeks earlier, but I want you to read this. We're going to go through Zechariah four. Okay. You're going to have to pay attention to this because there's prophetic language that isn't plain or then you got to track with it and think about it, okay? I'm going to take you through this real quick. Zechariah 4.1. This is prophet Zechariah who's having an encounter with the, an angel. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who's wakened out of his sleep. We'll, we'll go through this real quick, Kevin, because we're going to go through the whole chapter. He said to me, what do you see? So I said, I am looking and there is a lampstand, someone say lampstand, of solid gold with a bowl on top of it, and on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Keep going. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right bowl and one at its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked to me, saying, what are these, my Lord? What is he looking at? He sees a lampstand and two olive trees behind it, Okay. So, so what is the what am I seeing? What is the lampstand? Here's what the lampstand is. You ready? Then the angel talked to me, answered and said, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. <coughs> so he answered me and said, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord in me came. All right, go back to you. Go back to six. Right here. What is a lampstand? What did the angel tell him? It's the word of the Lord. So when John tells the church in Ephesus that Jesus said to the church, 
repent or I'll remove your lampstand from its place of influence. You know what that means? I'll give your assignment to somebody else. Because it's so important, I need you to pay attention, Mike. Mike, I need you to pay attention because you're going to do 24-7 prayer and it's going to create this atmosphere for a billion youth harvest to come in. So you have to understand the significance so much, I have to give you a sign of the heavens to confirm it. How much more, Northgate, is the significant call when your pastor's name is actually on the comet? I'm I'm repeating myself because I got to get through six inches of unbelief to get down here. What is the lampstand? It's the word of the Lord to Jimmy and Tina Lovejoy. But what about us? Are you joined to them? Keep going. Let's go back to eight or nine where we left off. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. And his, his hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent you to me. For who has despised the day of small beginnings? Hmm. How come we have empty seats? We're not as full as we are three months ago. Who cares? What does the number of butts in a seat have anything to do with the assignment? Okay. Watch this. Who has this despise the day of small beginnings for these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Jimmy and Tina Lovejoy you know what plumb line is it's a standard do you feel that next time you whine to yourself because you have to pray with your wife I want you to remember that there's a standard that the seven spirits of the Lord take pleasure that the standard is being raised by Pastor Jimmy and Tina Lovejoy. Next time in your mind is, why do we have to go to another prayer meeting? I want you to remember that the spirit of the living God takes pleasure in the standard being in the hand of the Lovejoys. Religious folks would freak out about this. It's the word of God. What do you want me to do about it? What are the seven spirits? I'm glad you asked. These are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. The eyes of the Lord take pleasure in the plumb line, the standard being in the hands of the lovejoys. Then I answered and said to him, what are these two olive trees at the right hand of the lampstand and at its left? Keep going. And I further answered him, yeah. And I further answered and said to him, what are these two? We haven't gone yet, right? I want to read this again, actually, because I didn't finish it. Go back one. Yep, there you go. Go to 12. I'm sorry. And I further answered and said to him, what are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes for which the oil drains? Shh. 
And he answered me and said, do you not know who these are? I said, no, my Lord. He said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of all the earth. This is this scenario. But what happens when the Lord sends a mother and a father? And in private, he pours oil to them year after year, takes them through the process. It says, I have a land with your name on it. And I need you, Pastor Jimmy and Tina, because the assignment that I'm giving you is so much bigger than you could ask or think. And because your assignment's so big, I'm going to confirm it with the sign of the heavens, with the comment with your name on it. I'm going to send an apostle in your life who's going to look at you and man away at the gym, and he's going to say, I needed somebody tenacious enough to rip the veil from the north to the south. So when people don't like the intensity of our pastor, guess what? The Lord has an apostle that pours oil. He removes the veil before he pours the oil. Can you get the other ones? I didn't realize he was like that. And he begins to prophesy into a son sent into a region. Lord, how can I do this? Don't worry. You're not just going alone. The Mitchells are moving up north with you. It's like two olive trees that stand before the Lord. They're two olive trees that stand before the love joys. Oh, don't worry. You have the Manichis coming to you. Oh, there's John and Mary Ellen. Oh, Jesus. That's a lot of oil right there. Oh. And then Google reviews come. You're a cult. Poured out. Hey, mom, someone happened in the city. We need your help, pastor. Pour out the oil. We need your help over here. My mom's dying. Can you pray for her? And oil gets poured out, and this begins low. So he sends the circuit riders, Pastor Bobby and Mark, and they come in, they prophesy. Northgate, you're right where you need to be. Can you feel it? Can you see it? Zerubbabel's assignment was a fulfillment of legacy of 70 years of captivity. Daniel recognized the time's gone. Zerubbabel's the first shift. The emperor sends Zerubbabel to, with permission and resources to go build the temple. That's what that's prophesying. He does. 60 years go by. The emperor's dead. The temple's there. But where's everybody at? The city's in ruins. Ezra, the records get brought up before the, the son of the emperor that's now the emperor. Ezra now gets a decree of the king. Go to Jerusalem, take all these resources. I'm commanding all the locals to give you the resources so you could reestablish that city. Ezra comes in, and guess what Ezra's assignment was? Spiritual reformation. 
Once spiritual reformation happens, guess who gets sent in there? And, and Ezra's still around. As Nehemiah is working for the next king, I believe Xerxes at that time. And he's sad. He's the cupbearer. And Xerxes is like, what's up, bro? We always have a good time. Why are you so mad? I never seen you like this. He's like, dude, my people are dying. How could I? You know, he's like, really? He's like, bro, why didn't you say something? Take all these. I'll have everyone in the region pay for it. Go rebuild the city. Notice this order of sequence. First, you rebuild the house of God. Then spiritual reformation. And then you build the city. Mike and I had an encounter. 2015 probably is right before we moved. That last year at school of ministry. Maybe 2014. How many are in that room? Handful of you. The first class of ministry would have been there. You remember that day? I go into a counter. This man appears before me. I, I rarely talk about this. The, the best way I could describe him, if, if, there was a, if Mike Pence was a pope, <laughs> dude, he looked just like Mike Pence, I swear to you. He had Mike Pence with the white duck dynasty beard in a Catholic road is what it looked like. Dude appeared to me, and I'm like, uh, who are you, sir? And Heather Smith was on the ground praying in tongues. And she was praying in tongues. I was interpreting the same moment. And I heard her declaring over and over again, Ezra, Ezra, Ezra. And I look up, he's like, Ezra. And I was like, huh? I don't even, I'm not really sure who Ezra is. I know he's in the Bible. I wasn't really familiar with him. Then I'm like, is this for me? He's like praying over me and, and, and speaking to me. And I can't even remember. I have it written down probably somewhere. And I can't. I'm like, is this just for me or is this for the North Gate? Because I was still in that phase and didn't realize it's inseparable. <laughs> is this for me or the North Gate? And so in the encounter, I see him take off this ribbon around his neck and put it around Nietzsche, Elder Nietzsche. I'm like, it's for the North Gate. And I tell Mike, and Mike's going in the encounter. Did you encounter him that night as well? You didn't see it, but he felt it. So Mike and I are getting wrecked. There's people crying out in tongues all around. Well, Heather goes in another round of tongues, and I'm hearing it plain as day. Ezra 7! Ezra 7! Ezra 7! Someone get a Bible, because I have no idea what that is. You know what Ezra 7 is? The day Ezra was sent by decree of the king back to the promised land, Jerusalem. You know what the first thing Ezra dealt with for spiritual reformation do you really want to know? Marriage. Has anybody heard a message on marriage the last five years? <laughs> Pastor submits it to apostle. An apostle says, people try to identify as a John the Baptist your whole life, but you're not John the Baptist, you're an Ezra. Ezra was with Nehemiah during the rebuilding of the city. But before the rebuilding of the city could happen, there had to be a rebuilding of people of God. And the very first place he started the spiritual reformation was with marriages. And every one of us probably in the room that's ever had counseling had to deal with an issue in your marriage. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Because I had a good marriage and I've been sitting in that seat before. <laughs> Some of you don't have a good marriage meeting. I know you're, I know if you're in that seat, you had to been dealing with it. 
You see what I'm saying? And I'm not, I'm not trying to compare it. No, I'm just saying we've all been in that seat. Why? Because it's the foundation. In fact, I had a business call. I got to tell Mama Jay. I had a business call with this guy. He teaches leadership. His spiritual gift from his spiritual gift test, his highest ranked one is prophecy. He's from a different movement. They don't probably teach prophecy, but it's a spiritual gift test. We honor that. And he says, you know what I found out about leadership, Mike? I was like, what's that, sir? He goes, the most important thing about leadership is how you lead your wife and your family. And I was like, brother, you're preaching my language right now. You have no idea who my pastor is. Don't matter if you like it or if I like it. It just matters. It is needed and God is speaking. And the first thing Ezra did was deal with marriages. So if you want him to stop talking about your marriage, good luck with that. You'll probably have to find another church because he's probably not going to. Because why? He's an Ezra. John the Baptist dealt with the religious community. Ezra's dealing with marriages. Are you happy? Just just thank God that you don't have to keep going on like that, that God's sending people in your life to help you through the process. You know what Ezra 8's about? And I'm closing up with this. Do you, know the entire, you know what Ezra 8's about? Ezra 7's about him getting his assignment decree from the king. Ezra 8, it said, So Ezra gathered men of might with him. And you can look at this from the north gate. You can look at this as Apostle Damon. Because with Apostle Damon came a man of might named Jimmy Lovejoy, his wife Tina, and four beloved sons and daughters. Along with them came a hundred folks with Apostle Damon. To release the sound of beloved identity. And we go down a mobile. And even though we're there to receive, an apostle pours into us. We sow our money. We pray into it. We cover them in prayer. And we begin to pour oil in the corporate lampstand of Carolina Revival. We're now the homestead. Isn't it funny even the homestead or the Carolina Revival is going through a name change? From the Carolina Revival to the homestead? Just like Mike Bickle did? Maybe Carolina Revival was just the Kansas City Fellowship that Mike Pickle went through. And maybe this year, because I've been saying all year, 2022 is the, the year, the beginning of the fullness of times. Some of us are excited. I know Arm is excited about that. I'm excited. Some of us are making some changes. We may be leaving our jobs. We may be starting businesses. Some of, some of you already done that, and it may look different for you. Some of you are dealing with stuff that got exposed and you're going through a really hard time. That's okay. Stay seated. Stay in devotion, honor, and order, and you'll get through it. Some of us are going through both. Praise Jesus. <clears throat> Revival is revealful, right? We can get bitter and push, allow ourselves to get pushed away because of us, like Adam, trying to hide behind leaves. Or we could push through as tough as the process is and make it to the other side of glory. That way, when we see the fullness of this thing happen, you know, Apostle D saying, the entire northeastern seaboard will come to this expression through the north gate. 
we're the north gate. What's this expression? You're righteous. You're loved. You mean one quarter of the United States will come through the north gate into this expression? Wow. That's a pretty big word. Can I get Joe and John? Can you bring that table over here? I think I'm going to bring it over here. Just bring it right up here. It's fine. So there's two olive trees next to the lampstand in Zechariah 4, right? Yeah? Who continually pour oil into the lamp of God, which is the word of the Lord. Represent the seven spirits and the word of the Lord for, at that point, Zerubbabel. You see, pastor prophesied in a men's meeting one time that I was a man of oil to help keep his fire burning. That's not a little word. I don't take that. That's honor. If that's my role is to help another man burn, whoo, praise Jesus. I don't need my name in lights. If my job is to be an Aaron that holds up the arm of Moses, so the next generation Joshua could have the victory, I win. We win. Northgate, can you see yourself? Can you see your wife? Can you see your kids? It's olive trees that continually pour oil into the lamp, into the word of God, to Jimmy and Tina Lovejoy. Every time Josh and Jeremy smoke that barbecue for the fundraisers, they're help building a structure for your kids to encounter Jesus at camp. For Mike and Mary Ellen and John who stay here after all of us stay here and close up and clean up because you can't clean up your own bottle waters. They're pouring oil into the lamp of the North Gate. To those of you that don't take sleep as a priority, you can't. Did you can hear this as condemnation, or you can hear? Remember, I, I started this whole thing with perspective. Listen, there's times I've been tired, and I still showed up, but you all probably knew I was tired. We go to drop Sam off and mom's like, I'm praying for you, son. You know what she's doing? She's not just pouring oil on Mike Thompson. She's pouring oil into the lamp of the North Gate. When I see you come to 530 in prayer, we see that you're tired, some of you. It's okay. We see you're going through it. But your faithfulness, even when you're tired, you're pouring yourself out for the next generation. That includes you, Mary Ellen. He's not unfaithful for to forget your works, Paul said. And even though your marriage maybe go through a tough time when you still show up, even though you, you don't feel like you should be praying, guess what? You're still pouring oil. Yeah. 
when you say, I can't move a room like apostle or pastor, I don't pray long like Big Mike, guess what? He's showing up and saying, yes, Lord. You prayed over your kids, Zach. Ah. Every day, pouring oil. Then you come to worship, pour oil in the corporate lampstand. The pastor takes the oil and pours it on the football team. I needed a son. And for some reason, I couldn't make it on my own. So a pastor came, a father came and said, family, we're going to help them get a son. And he began to pour the oil, which manifested in finances, prayers, and support and encouragement over my wife and I. So guess what? This thing begins to get low. Does someone hear about it in live stream and says, I hear what you're doing with adoption. Let me pour $10,000 into it. You're a really big deal. And in Ezra 8, I remember back then I read it and the Lord corrected me. He's so generous to me because I'm, have a really bad attitude a lot of times because I just don't get it and then I get it and I'm like, oh, sorry, God. I'm reading Ezra 8 after that encounter, reading 7, starting 7 and reading 8. I'm like, man, this is freaking boring. These names, I can't pronounce one of them. Like, he came with his 100. He came with his 80. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, Lord, this is dumb. I'm like, I'm sorry, Lord. It's in your Bible. It's got to be important. I got real religious. I'm like, but I'm bored out of my mind. Can I skip it? And I'm like, no, I got to read through it. I got to read through it. And then the Lord just, he didn't even tell me. He just gave me the revelation. It's like he was, he didn't say it this way, but this is like he was saying, Mike, don't you get it? Ezra was the star. And the hand of God that went with the lampstand of that, that assignment, like in Revelation 1. And all these were the people that left their comfortable living in Babylon to travel into a literally condemned city. And they get there to rebuild the city, and guess what they got to deal with? Their own marriage. This isn't what I signed up for, Ezra. You said I was coming to rebuild a city. We will, but first we need to deal with you. Spiritual reformation always starts with us. Before we can bring it to the nation, it has to be here with us. Before we can deal with anyone else's marriage, we got to deal with ours. Yeah, I'm preaching to the choir here. But you know what it says? The Lord showed me in Ezra 8. Reminded me of the story of Mary when she broke the alabaster box over the feet of Jesus. And Jesus made a declaration. Judas thought she's wasting money, wasting oil. He said, no, what she did was so significant. Everywhere this gospel is preached, she'll be mentioned. What Ezra did was so significant in the eyes of the Lord, he dedicated an entire chapter in the Bible to every family, named them by name, for how they supported Ezra. And that spiritual reformation headed by Ezra paved the way 
for Nehemiah to come and reestablish Jerusalem as a city. How many want to see streets world saved? You know how it's going to happen? We reform our marriage first. So Lovejoy chapter 8 would look like this. Because you're significant, right? But you don't think you're significant for your prayers to, to show up. I'm not talking here, I'm just saying. Well, they don't need me. That's not a big deal. But Ezra, or Lovejoy chapter 8, would look like this. And with the Lovejoys out of Cincinnati came the Mitchells. But their daughter having and their son Roy. And the table of communion with the family. The table of communion, they gather oil. Then they come back, right? To the Father's table. And they pour their insignificant half ounce oil into the lampstand. Can we get a trash can, John, up here? All the way from Akron, Ohio, come the Minichis and those four wild, crazy kids we love. They say, I'll give my life to follow a man because what's on his life is way bigger than just another church. And then Ezra 8, verse 3 would say, the Hevers came. The Hevers met them when they moved to Streetsboro. Do you see how it's filling up? And all the way from Braceville came the Clendenins. And all the way from Garrisville came the channels. And all the way from southeast came the cut rights. And all the way from Kentucky came the Eltons. Zach, you didn't move from Kentucky because your family's insignificant. You move because you're significant. And the Lord said, he didn't need a man like you to pour oil into a Ezra. Who's going to lead a spiritual reformation and your name will be recorded in those books. And the history of the Lovejoy revival, which they'll probably call it generations from now, my son's name is listed. Why? Because an apostle came and declared Samuel's coming. Some of you have names were called out in the book of the North Gate. Your names were mentioned. I know I belong in this family. When I was struggling with who I really am, the pastor says, I think you need to be with me down in Chattanooga when we go. I'll be honest, I didn't want to go. I love revival, but I did not feel like driving down there and traveling. 
But what are our what's the ladder of ascension? Devotion, honor, order. Okay, I'm gonna honor that. I didn't tell him I didn't want to go. I just said, dang. Okay, cool. I'm just gonna trust he's hearing from the Lord. Had no idea this one right here is telling my wife back home. The Lord told me this is a, one of the most significant trips of his life. And he's going to get a, have an encounter there that's going to change his life. First night in Batesburg. Come on, Mama. Papa. Your prayers poured oil in my lamp, which allows me. And in Batesburg, South Carolina, I go into an encounter with the throne. And I hear Apostle, and I can't even tell the top of my head what he said, but I go in this encounter where I go into the Hall of Records, the Hall of Faith in Heaven, and the book of Apostle Damon is opened up. And I said, Lord, why are you allowing me to see Apostle Damon's book? Why are you showing me this? And the Lord opened the book. Guess whose name was inscribed in Apostle's name? Mine was. You know what that tells me? He's just not my dad's apostle. He's my apostle. Not that he wasn't before then. I'm in apostle's book. And the Lord showed me for me. I don't, I didn't, I wasn't even going to share that because I don't want to, that's just something the Lord said. Well, he'll remind me later. Do you not remember when he questioned everything that if the devil tries to come, do you even belong in that family? No, I know the encounters I had to tie me to pastors. Yeah, but what about apostle? No, my name's written in his book. I saw it. And she's praying for me, and I have an encounter when I get my first living oracle message. I have an encounter with the city. I have an encounter that says 2012 to 2022, which I believe is for my job, which we'll just leave it at that. And I encounter an olive tree that has a spout on it that's pouring oil out. And I'm like, Lord, what is this? And it's like, it's you. And I was reminded of what pastor prayed over me. You're, in, you're a man of oil that helps me burn. <sighs> the chambers from Arkansas. Hope comes from Columbus. Man, I like the sound of that. The Lazaders and their four. <sighs> the Hinchmans. The Boyettes. The Luckies, the Clares, the Yonishes, the McCoons, the Hardballs, the James family, the True Lars, the Bollingers, the Duckworths, Bethany, Glenn. Every dollar you spend or you give, every ounce. Every time you show up to a prayer meeting. Look how this is getting full. Your half ounce, seemingly insignificant oil. From the table of communion into the corporate lampstand. This is why I show up to prayer meetings. Not because I enjoy getting up at 5.30 a.m. I do not enjoy getting up at 5.30 a.m. It tires me out. But you know what? I don't really think of the sacrifice. I just think, wow. We're changing the world, aren't we, Steph? And when we pray, God, to encourage us, sends an evergreen truck right around the corner, right before Pastor Mark comes up and brings the glove. 
Mama Tina texted me and said, Jimmy said to grab the mic and declare to the Mitchells. From that oil poured out, there's an encounter of promotion coming to you. So we just declare that encounter of promotion over you, Mitchell family. You've brought your oil, no matter if it's been a little bit, no matter if it's been a significant amount, but you've brought your oil consistently. And there's promotion coming over you. So is it just another prayer meeting in Northgate? Is it just another baptism or weekend service? Or is it another opportunity to say yes to a generation? Oh. You know what's beautiful about this? You don't have to be perfect to pour oil in there. Doesn't give any excuse to be out of order. Those things need dealt with. What it does say is like, even when you show up in your imperfection. Then sure our family goes through the biggest traumatic experience of their life. I text a couple people. Armin, I'm going down because I know he'll be there. I can trust him when no one else shows up. I'm going to be there if he can't. I feel like I got the text at the prayer at the playground to Sam, and I'm like, I got to go. I can't stay here. I leave. Many of you came down. We're pouring oil to Josh, Victoria, and Maris. Even at the end of the day, if we don't get the outcome, we're pouring oil out. And this thing maybe starts to get a little low. On Wednesday night, we're going to scrap prophetic class. We're going to scrap youth group. We're going to come back and pray. We're going to add some more oil to the lamp. And you say, man, I noticed somebody's getting tired. So you know what I do? I go back. When Jen takes Sam to Mama's, see, see how Mama's, her Mama's angels allows oil to be in the lamp because when she takes my son and then now I'm sitting there and I get a call or see people and they're tired, I get to go back to the table of communion. I say, Lord, I saw some things on some people. They're tired and I've been tired. So I'm going to take my part of my day right now and cover them. And pour some oil into their lamp. I saw someone act out of character. They were frustrated. I could see that they weren't, whatever it is. I'm not going to go tell everyone about it. I'm going to come back to the table of communion. Say, Lord, I've been there. I've lost my temper. I've been frustrated. God, I've been when things aren't going right. you feel this in the room? I'm telling you, the drive up here, it's been tender. It hasn't been about being fire. It's about you seeing how significant you are. <sighs> Victoria doesn't know what to do. What am I going to do with work? Don't worry. We're going to take up an offering. <sighs> Just worry about your husband, Victoria. We're going to keep praying and we're going to keep pouring oil on you. We're going to sow into you. 
We're not going to let you starve. We're not going to let you lose your home. Ah. Ah. But I went to camp, Mike. I don't feel the same fire. Don't worry, come on Wednesday night. Because you have a pastor that's been at the table of communion right here. You have a leadership team. You have parents that have been at the table of communion, Alexis. So you're not feeling like you're best or you report everything out. We're going to come on Wednesdays. You just come and get in the room and just let us and out of our devotional life and a table of communion. We're going to come pour oil on you. We're going to love you right back into the fire you felt at camp. Yeah. Does anybody get in this tonight? You notice one thing from these half ounce communion cups? Do you realize it, the oil more than doubled? This seemingly insignificant amount of oil, and some of you have way more than this, some of you have less, and it doesn't matter. Your seemingly insignificant measure of oil poured with everybody else's doubled our lampstand. That means this could burn brighter. Come on, have you ever had like those tiki torches, the little lantern? You turn the wick up, the thing, it burns the oil a lot faster. It could burn a lot hotter. Or you could keep the wick down and just make sure you got enough oil to last a long time. Do you see how significant you are? Do you see how significant your prayers are? My prayers with Sam and I, with Jen, are not cute prayers. When we pray for Mama and we pray for people to be healed at the church, we pray for Nika. You want to know why, Nika? Because I refuse not to put oil into your lamp because I don't know how many times you prayed and had dreams about us and prophesied and said, I love you, prophet. I love you, prophet. Even when I'm like, I wish you'd quit doing that because I don't want to hear that word. It makes me uncomfortable. I love you, prophet. That's who you are. I refuse to quit putting oil in your lamp because you put oil in my lamp year after year after year. So even when I'm tired and you come to mind, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back to the table of communion because about a year and a half, two years ago, I was going through some health things. I was starting to think I had cancer. I didn't say it to anyone. I wasn't confessing nothing. I'm just starting to wonder, is something seriously wrong with me? Because I felt sick 24-7 a day. I've been there. And guess what? I'm not there anymore. So when you're going through this tough pregnancy, I'm going to go to the table of communion. And I'm going to pour oil in your lamp. And you can just rest. You don't have to be... You don't have to beat yourself up because you can't be and be at the center of everything all the time. You can just rest and let the family pour oil into your lamp. That's kingdom. Let's get some ladies to pray for her. Northgate, can you see how significant you are? Your cup may not be as big as apostles, Chrissy Lynn, but your oil matters. Did you come up here and pour oil? 
We haven't even got through the entire trade. Look at this. Your, I did this so you could see it. I got this in prayer. Our oil is here from our pastors, where the apostle, all that stuff we went through. It, look at that. It went from here. To, it more than doubled. <coughs> Mama Tina and I joke all the time about the, the lampstand and the, the glory, like being that wild water kingdom bucket. It's like bucket drips, pours into it, pours into it. Another bucket pours into it. You start to see a thing tip. You're like, here it goes. Let's run over there. And you're like, there's a moment where this thing's going to get poured out into the earth and it's going to be glorious. So when you hear Apostle D say to all the sons at camp, the last day of camp, it's time to go back and tend the lampstand. You know what that means? It's time to say yes to first love. For those of you that are already in first love, it's time to say yes to first works. You know what that is? Devotion, honor, and order. And then when a pastor or apostle give us more peace of that, guess what? Don't ever underestimate how important prayer with your kids is. It's just a little cute prayer before bed. Nope. You're not just training them up. You're pouring back into the corporate lampstand. I remember Scotty would bring Trevon. Ed, do you remember those days? That old prayer room. Jasmine and Trevon would get up there. And they lay their hands on the names and erase half it because they didn't know any better. The religious folks would have been there. Oh, that's cute. Or what a waste of time. No, 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 no. No. For that season of their life, Trevon and Jasmine were taking a tiny bit of oil, even though they didn't realize what they're really doing. And they were pouring it in, calling out the Kales brother's name. Come on. And that day that Josh was in there and Jeremy came in and they about a, a collision of cosmic proportions. Was that Dutch or Apostle there that night? I can't remember which one. Apostle Dutch. My God. Come on, we'll just stand your feet and pray. If any of the leaders, Mike, if you want to come pray, if you get anything. We'll just pray. We'll just honor that. Lord, we just, we put oil in Nika's lamp right now. Lord, we put oil in Mama's lamp right now. Lord, these two women have labored and prayed and prayed their hearts out. They've been faithful before you, God. Man. Oh, Jesus. Uh, for those of you that say, I thought we were in rest, brother. It's a matter of perspective. I don't have to put oil into this lamp. But whether it takes 10, 20, 30, 40 years, or I have to be part of the cloud of witnesses in heaven, when the northeastern seaboard of the U.S. comes to beloved identity through the north gate and the revelation of pierced by righteousness, 
I'll be up there cheering if I have to be, or I'll be down here with the walker, like pastor says, and I'll say, thank you, Jesus, I got to put my oil. I thank you that I got to put hundreds of thousands of dollars into the offering basket over that time. Thank you, Lord, that I got four hours sleep every Friday for 10 years, nine years right now. And I got to pray with the hungriest group of people in my life for the next generation and for our city and nation. Northgate, what do you see? Do you see a religious obligation to pray? Or do you say a lampstand? that you get to pour into you. What, how do you hear apostle's word? Is it just another good word? Or is it a lampstand unto a man and woman that we get to run with? And we get to be olive trees that pours continually into their lamp so they could lead this thing rightly without having to deal with the frustration of what we do and all these different things. We, they could read, lead rightly and in peace. Oh, man, I feel that. So, Lord, we pray for them right now. I thank you, Father, that the seven spirits of God take pleasure in the plumb line being in the hand of the love joys. Tony, religious people freak out over this. I think if there's a plumb line you put in the hands of Pastor Mark and Pastor Bobby. There's a plumb line in Aubrey, Texas, you put in hand of Pastor Brown, Pastor Brad in Kentucky. I thank you, Lord, if I remain faithful. My family name will be put in the book of Lovejoy, chapter 8. The book of Damon, chapter 8. The Thompson's name will be in there. Even if it don't talk about anything I've accomplished, anything I've done, it'll just say these are the ones that came up with them. <sighs> Northgate, may our lives become a memorial stone. Like Cornelius, through prayers and generosity. Cornelius became a memorial stone before the Lord. You know what a memorial stone is for? To remind you. A man named Cornelius that very few people ever talk about, even though his name's noted in scripture, is a reminder around the throne of God. You know why this word's so significant to me? Because when Matt Putman was here, so many encounters I've had under the sound of that man and the frequency of that man. And so we got to lay here and pray for him. The Lord began to show me this man is a man of the lampstand. 
He is a burning lamp, a memorial stone, Ed, before me day and night. That means even when Mr. Putman is sleeping, he is reminding the Lord that there's a remnant in the earth that still long to put him first and sit at his feet. How many want to be a burning, shining lamp before the throne of God? I don't have to I don't have to burn in front of men and have my face on TV. But if I could be like Matt Putman and I could put myself face to face head in the fellowship of the lampstands. Come on, is there not a book of life? Is there not a book of remembrance with names in it? Written before the foundations of the earth. Lord, let my life be memorial before you. And may I never excuse my failures, but may I always look to something that's greater than my conscience. For John said, even if your conscience condemns you, he's greater. No labor, no greater love can a man know than the love of Jesus. Just lift your hands, Northgate, as we end this tonight. I have a challenge question for you all as you lift your hands. If all you were was a man of oil or a woman of oil to pour into the lampstand of the North Gate and you spent your entire life and all you did, the only significant accomplishment that you could look back on and say is I contributed to the lampstand of the North Gate, would it be worth it? Some of us in the room already said yes. And we have to keep saying yes. Mike Pickle said, it's not good that I did this for 8, 10, 15 years. The Lord said, you need to do this. You're only successful if you do this 30, 40, 50 years. It's not a work thing. The Lord was saying, it's about legacy and longevity. Not just about a decade or 8 years. Mike your ministry at Kansas City Fellowship affected the entire charismatic Pentecostal movement and reintroduced them to the prophetic. But that's not even what I have planned for you. <laughs> that was really, Mike, about me speaking into you and who you are and the lampstand you're called to steward. You're a star, Mike, in the hand of Jesus. And your lampstand's in Kansas City, but it's going to touch around the world. And it's so significant, I'm going to send the prophets of the nations to be with you for eight years and remind you of who you are. And that you won't see them for a few years. And you're going to go through a process with the Vineyard Church, with John Wimber as a spiritual dad. But you're going to come out nine years later, 1999. And you're going to start a prayer movement that's never going to end. And it's going to usher a billion youth. I hear 1 John 4. Beloved, we don't know what we will be. But we know when he appears. Because we'll see him as he really is. Northgate, we may not know the full picture of who we are or what we are. We probably won't until the period of the day when we're in the fullness of everything we're called to. But I can tell you it's been one heck of a ride this last nine years. And it keeps on getting better through the ups and downs. At the end of the day, 
at the end of the year, it keeps getting better. And 2022 is the beginning of the fullness of times for us. Do you believe it? Can you see yourself in it? Can you see yourself as a man of oil that pours into the lamps of the entire city? Can experience the light. Can you be a man of wind? So, like Apostle said in Chattanooga, so we get together, Ed, and we become a bustling of wind that blows, like Chuck Pierce prophesied, from Portage County into Northeast Ohio, into the region, and then it blows into the nation. Pastor Anthony, you're significant to this house. Apostle Dutch sent us into phase two. I believe we're in phase three or four. Embrace the process of reformation. You know how you know you're in process? Part of you still recoils when you hear your beloved. Or even worse, it doesn't move you when you hear it. You just say, I know I'm beloved. Really? Because when he shows me he loves me, something inside of me leaps. Like John the Baptist in the belly of Elizabeth. And if I, if I find myself unresponsive to that beautiful truth, I know I'm a little off somewhere. Doesn't mean I'm bad. Doesn't mean I have to strive to fix or fasten and get everything. No, 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 no. It just means get back to face to face where I know I'm met by love. Lift your hands. I'm really close this time, I promise. Father, I bless your people. I bless these sons and daughters of oil, these olive trees that stand next to the lamp of the love joys. I thank you. As pastor said in the past, for every dollar they've ever given an offering, for every prayer they've ever thrown up for them, or another one in the family, I thank you for every cookie they baked, every, every barbecue they threw on the smoker, every time they've hung out, they sent a text message, they said, amen, they showed up to prayer meetings, I thank you. And I pray not one person would feel condemned tonight, but I, I do pray that everyone would be inspired to a higher degree and everyone in here would get a greater revelation of their significance before you. And I pray that everyone gets a greater revelation of the significance of this house and our pastors so the fire shall never go out. And we never even have to even cross our mind that the Lord would ever come to the North Gate and say, return to your first love and works or I'm gonna take your land. Well, no, no, no. That wouldn't even, I pray that thought would never even cross the Lord's mind. Because I didn't have to be told to give and tithe when I was a kid, when I got saved. I just got saved and said, well, this is how it is now. <coughs> I don't have to be told to pour the oil in this thing. Look how full that is, Zach. Our seeming little insignificant cups of oil doubled the oil from the beginning. May it never stop. And may it overflow into our kids. So come on, man. Well, just give a round of applause for Jesus. <laughs> Northgate, you're significant. Every one of you are significant. Let's not take each other lightly. Let's not take this assignment. Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.